one of the most famous art museums in the world is in Paris, France, the Louvre. How, how many of you, anybody ever been? No, okay. Oh, lots of you. Raise your hand if you've been to the Louvre. Oh, wow, I'm impressed. Way to go. So you've seen this impressive art museum, right? Now, I've heard from some of you that you've seen the impressive Vincent Van Gogh uh, exhibit that's going on in Milwaukee, and how impressive that is. Well, there are some impressive artists uh, in the Louvre, uh, in Paris, France, the works of several different famous artists, Rembrandt, Michelangelo, uh, Jacques-Louis David, to name just a few. And there are actually 460 beautiful works of art in the museum in Paris, France. Uh, here's a, a small sampling of them, a few of the works, uh, the commissioning of Napoleon, one of those beautiful works, the commissioning of Napoleon, uh, liberty Leading the People, Liberty Leading the People, another impressive work of art. Maybe some of you remember seeing a couple of those, uh, that have, those of you that have been there. And then, and then the last one is The Good Samaritan. And perhaps you saw The Good Samaritan. Well, perhaps the most famous artist in the Louvre in Paris, France, and, and certainly the most, probably the most famous work of art in, in that museum and perhaps in the world is the Mona Lisa. The artist, Leonardo da Vinci, the work of art, Mona Lisa. How many of you recognize that piece of art, Mona Lisa, right? Pretty, pretty standard. Many of us recognize that, uh, this beautiful work of Mona Lisa. And at the bottom of the painting of the Mona Lisa is Leonardo da Vinci's signature, even though there are uh, many copies of the Mona Lisa, and even though there are many postcards and prints of the Mona Lisa, there's only one original. There's only one original masterpiece. There's only one original with the original signature in the bottom of that, uh, bottom of that painting, and that is the one in Paris, France. And that painting is a masterpiece. That painting is treasured and priceless. Do you know that you too are treasured and priceless? Do you know that you too are an original? That you are a masterpiece? That you are treasured and priceless? One far greater than even the great Leonardo da Vinci, one greater with more brilliance and creativity than even Leonardo da Vinci has designed you, has created you, has shaped you, you are a masterpiece. You are an original. You're custom made. Think about this. There are currently 7.9 billion people in the world. 7.9 billion people, and there's no other person like you. There never was, there never will be. And, and, and if you were to look around the room, the person next to you, sitting next to you, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, maybe, maybe you don't know who's sitting next to you this morning, if you lock eyes with anyone this week, you are looking at an original you are looking at a masterpiece. You are looking at someone, whether you see them this week or you see them this morning, who is treasured and priceless. When God made you, he looked at you and said, I'm never doing that again. 
<laughs> now, right, right, so you can say, yeah, that's, that's a good thing, God, that's a good thing, but I don't mean he says that be- out of displeasure. I'm saying God looked at you and said, I am never doing that again out of his pleasure, custom-made masterpiece. There's no such thing as a cookie cutter with God. There's no such thing. God is not a cookie cutter God. Now, some of you have made cookies, so you use a cookie cutter, and, and you just put down that uh, cookie dough, and you just press and press and press and press and get cookies that look like that, all the same, right? They're identical, the same shape, size, color, and everything, not so with God. God has created each person as a unique, treasured, priceless original. Uh, and, and God, just like uh, Leonardo da Vinci, has put his signature on your life. Today we begin our three-week series that uh, mirrors the theme of Vacation Bible School intentionally, a three-week series called Treasured and Priceless. And we'll be talking with the kids about that this week. And it'll be so, such a great theme to, to impact kids and the, the story, the message, the, the, God's word about them being treasured and priceless. And so we will take that theme and work with that theme for three weeks here in Big Church on Sunday morning. We'll uh, talk this morning about a true view. Next Sunday, part two, a true identity. And then week three, August 15th, a true purpose. All under the umbrella of treasured and priceless. Today, a true view. A true view. How do you view yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you have a true view? Charlie Brown, for those of you that like Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and all, all those folks, Charlie Brown is sitting with Lucy at her psychiatric help booth where there's a little sign that says, five cents, please. And um, Charlie Brown is saying to Lucy, you know, Lucy's just pouring his heart out to Lucy. I just, I just want to be the kind of person where, where someone will say, well, here comes good old Charlie Brown. Now everything's going to be okay. I just want to feel wanted. I just want to feel needed. I want to feel special. Lucy, do you know what I'm trying to say? Do you understand what I'm talking about, Lucy? And, and she says, yes, I understand perfectly. Charlie Brown pauses, looks at Lucy longingly, and says, well, Lucy says, forget it. It's never going to happen. Typical Lucy, right? Forget it. It's never going to happen. And then she says in the last frame, five cents, please. Well, we all want to feel wanted. We all want to feel needed. We all want to feel special, don't we? We all want other people to think, oh, there she comes. There he comes. Everything's going to be all right. We want to feel good about ourselves. It starts with a true view, a true view. But here's the catch. It starts not by looking at ourselves, but by looking at God. 
it starts by looking at God's view of us. How does God view us? How does God view you? Not just start, starting by looking at ourselves, but by looking at God and his view of you. We find it in the Bible. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 13, where David is, ex- is expressing this prayer. David says, for you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So what what is David saying? God, as I look to you and I acknowledge it, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You've made me. Your works are wonderful and I know that. Thank you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, God, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So here we have David's profound understanding of the creator God. David's profound understanding of God's view of him and how God has created and made him. So having a true view starts with affirming you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that full well, as David said? Now, you may not always feel like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You may not always think you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You may not always act like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you may not always be treated like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But the one who created you says that's exactly who and what you are. From the time that egg and sperm came together to begin you, God was custom-making a masterpiece. God was creating an original. God was building into you the qualities and capacities, the abilities and the traits that he designed, desired to be you. (laughs) and he said, I'm never going to make another you. Now, with today's technology, science, medicine, ultrasounds, uh, apps, a woman can know more about her pregnancy than ever before. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. I mean, uh, there are Baby apps called The Bump, uh, Hello Belly, uh, Sprout. Uh, Megan, did you use any of those apps, right? Yeah, you're shaking your head, yes. And, and there are other apps. That's just a sampling of the, the apps. But you can know, I mean, this is, if you haven't heard about this yet, let me just tell you a little bit. You, you can know when your baby is the size of an avocado or the head of a cauliflower or a cantaloupe. I mean, you can just track along. You can just track all the way along. 
about your baby. And then, of course, seeing those ultrasounds, right? It's remarkable. You, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, unique, a masterpiece, an original, <laughs> treasured, and priceless. Now, as many of you know, Wendy and I are grandparents, and we're so excited to be grandparents. Our, our grandson, John, is five and a half months old, and he's just such a blessing uh, to his parents and to us and as, as grandparents. And, and uh, John is, uh, of course, growing, and we sometimes will FaceTime, get pictures. But now, what, what do grandparents normally do when... Um, when they have uh, visits with friends or relatives? What do they normally do? Well, uh, a guy might get out a wallet. Hey, you want to see some pictures? Or a woman might get out a purse. Hey, you want to see some pictures? Or probably better yet, iPhone, right? Lots of pictures. You want to see some pictures of my grandson? You want to see some pictures of my granddaughter, right? That's what you typically do. Well, I forgot my wallet, and I don't have my iPhones back in the office. So, sorry, but I don't know. Guys, can you help me out here? You want to see some pictures? Now, look at that guy. Fearfully and wonderfully made, right? You know the feeling for those of you that are parents or grandparents or those of you that are aunts, uncles, you've seen those precious little ones, right? So that, that's just a little smattering. If you want to see some more pictures afterward, just let me know. But, uh, <laughs> but otherwise, sometimes if people come over to your house, what do you do? Take them to your refrigerator, right? And you want to see, you want to see some pictures? There are some pictures, right? Do you know that God has a big wallet? <laughs> a big purse? God has a large refrigerator and a phone with unlimited storage, with pictures. And he loves to say, hey, see my son? See my daughter? He never says grand, because God doesn't have any grands. He's got immediate children, right? So God loves to show off and look at my son, look at my daughter, look at them now. Aren't they a master? Aren't they custom-made, original? Okay? Now, I know we got the kids in the house today. So kids, God literally does not have a wallet or li- does not literally have a refrigerator or, a, or an iPhone or a purse, right? You talk to your mom and dad about that, but it's like an analogy, okay? It's an analogy to get the point across that God is crazy about you. God loves you, wild about you, loves you, kind of an analogy to show that. You, so the first step in a, in a true view is to uh, understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, and then it's also important to understand this, to resist the temptation to compare yourself to others. Resist the temptation to compare yourself to others. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober 
judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Think of yourself with sober or sound judgment. Don't think too highly of yourself, but think of yourself with sound judgment. So the Apostle Paul is saying we should not think too highly of ourselves, like have an overinflated ego, and we should not think too lowly of ourselves also uh, and have an underinflated ego, but be real and be realistic and be biblical in your understanding of yourself. And resist the temptation to compare yourself to others. In other words, don't try to be someone else. It's a recipe for failure and frustration. What do I mean by that? Well, when we fall into this trap of comparing ourselves to others, we get on this, uh, I'll call it a self-image roller coaster. A self-image roller coaster. What do I mean by that? Well, if I, if, <laughs> if I fall into the trap of comparing myself with other preachers, and I, and I listen to some and think, man, that's kind of weak and kind of not that effective, and I'm a lot better than that. And if we had a preacher a preacher's preach-off, you know, like old-time old preacher's preach-off, I could probably preach, uh, 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 preach that one right off the stage. So I'm high, thinking, ooh, you know, good. And then, and I do this <laughs> far more frequently, I compare myself with other preachers and think, holy smokes, they are good. I wish I could communicate like that. I wish I could connect like that. I, I wish I could have put a, a message together like that. <laughs> In comparison, I stink. I like, I got a long way to go. And then I'm down. I'm comparing myself. I'm up. I'm down. It's like a self-image roller coaster. We do it the same as parents. We do it the same way. Like as a dad, I can look at, my, look at other dads and think, man, I, <laughs> I'm a lot better than that guy. You know, I'm uh, kind of a deadbeat dad, and I'm, not, I'm really sure, and I'm, I'm glad that I can communicate, and I can connect, and I can relate with my kids far better than that dad. And then I look at other dads and think, whoa, what in the world did he do? I mean, he's really good in the relationship he has with his kids and oh, the sacrifices he makes and really impressive, and so I can be up, feeling good about myself as a dad, and I can be down, feeling like i got a long way to go. You see, whether it's professionally or as a parent, we can get on a self-image roller coaster. <laughs> up and down, up and down. We do it as students. We, as a student, you can compare yourself to other students. We can, as an athlete, you can compare yourself to other athletes. Uh, as an employer or an employee, we, we have a tendency to compare ourselves to other employers, other employees. As a Christian, have you ever compared yourself to other Christians and think, man, I wish I had that kind of faith. Man, I wish I was that close. I wish I knew the Bible like that. We compare ourselves to other Christians. And we can be up, feeling pretty good compared to these, or down as we compare ourselves to people that are here. A self-image roller coaster. Now, other Preachers and other dads and, and the parents and, and other uh, students and athletes and, and uh, employers and employees and other Christians can challenge us and inspire us, and that's good, challenge and inspire us to be better, but let's, not, let's resist the temptation to fall into the comparison 
game. Be an original. Be, be you. Be treasured and priceless masterpiece. God has made you. I love the story of the uh, milk truck driver who was driving out in the country, and uh, he has milk truck, and he's driving by a herd of cows. And uh, on the side of his milk truck, it says, uh, pasteurized, homogenized, standardized, and vitamin A and D added. And uh, one cow looks at the other cow and says, wow, kind of makes you feel inadequate, doesn't it? Now, the cows are the real deal, right? The cows are the real deal. They are the authentic originators. Be the real deal. Be an authentic originator of yourself. Have a true view. A true view that begins with understanding that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. A true view that that continues as we resist the temptation to compare ourselves to others. And then lastly, a true view means to acknowledge your need for Christ. To acknowledge your need for Christ. So in other words, let's not just pump ourselves up, telling ourselves that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Telling ourselves, I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I'm just going to be me. You be you. I'm an, I'm an originator. Uh, I'm going to be an authentic original. And I'm going to be me. You be you. You do you. I do me. Right? No, it's, it's, uh, it's more than that. We should do that, but it's more than that. We should also recognize that the creation, I hope you follow me on this, the creation of you and the creation of me, the original has been marred and broken. Sin affects the original. Sin takes hold and brings destruction. And many personal and painful consequences. We are not what God wants us to be. Are you willing to admit that? A true view is more than just a personal pep talk and daily self-talk to pump ourselves up. It is acknowledging that we are messed up and, and recreation is what we need. Recreation is the only way to hope and peace, freedom, and new life. Recreation is the only way to truly be you. And that recreation is something only God can do. That that recreation is something only God can do through his son, Jesus Christ. Recreating our hearts, recreating our minds, recreating our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
meaning they put their faith in Christ, they've trusted in Christ, Christ lives in their life. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You've been recreated. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The true you has arrived. Jesus, you know, just takes our sins, heals our brokenness, redeems our hearts, and makes us new. I love what Dr. David Siemens, uh, he uh, was a professor at Asbury Theological Seminary. The author says, truly our only hope is a whole new way of viewing ourselves. We're talking about viewing ourselves, a true view. Our only hope is a whole new way of viewing ourselves through the eyes of grace. Through the eyes of grace. Viewing ourselves through the eyes of the grace of God. I love it. That's a true view. Viewing ourselves through the eyes of the grace of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But because we've made bad choices and decisions, because of circumstances and situations, because the influence of other people, because of sin, we've messed up. We have messed up. And God specializes in forgiving us and in cleansing us and in recreating us into a a person who is new, newly custom-made, unique, a masterpiece, treasured and priceless, gain, a true view, a God view of you today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for making us, for creating us fearfully and wonderfully. Help our soul to know that well. Help us today to resist the temptation to compare ourselves and to think we're good or we're bad, think we're or high and we're low, and just to help us to resist the temptation to compare ourselves to others. May others certainly inspire us and challenge us in our profession as a parent, as a student, as an athlete, as a Christian. But help us, Lord, not to resist that temptation. And I thank you today that you've not only created us, but you sent your son Jesus to recreate us. And thank you for that good news, that you're in the business of recreating, recreating the original that's been marred and scarred and broken and sinned. And I thank you, Lord, that you recreate us. You've recreated me. And I praise you and thank you for your son, Jesus. I pray that he would do that in all of us today, that we would have a true view of you as we have a true view of ourselves through your son, Jesus Christ, who is renewing and remaking and redoing even now, this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen.